return to La Palma Christian Center. Amen. Amen. Anybody bring a Bible today? Come on, hold up your Bible if you brought a Bible. Oh, I love some of the young people were the first ones to lift up their Bible. I love that. I love that. Good for you guys. Good for you. Good. Get into it. Study it. Read it. And uh, you'll be surprised how quickly that will come alive in you and come alive to you. Love that. Get your Bibles out. I want you to turn to the book of Judges today. Going to Samson. Yes, sir. Judges chapter 16. Turn in your Bibles today to Judges chapter 16. Starting with verse 28, Judges 16, 28. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once more, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes, which, by the way, were gouged out by the enemy. Verse 29, and Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. And then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords, fell on all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his entire lifetime. Father, we thank you for your word today. You have sent it with purpose. You have sent it with intention, Lord. There, I believe, is an assignment on your word today. And may nothing interrupt that. May nothing distract that. But what you have sent your word to do, let it be done. What you have sent your word to accomplish, let it be accomplished, Lord. Speak to us today. And we give you thanks and praise for it. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Come on and say amen. amen. Let me talk to you a few minutes this morning about the anointing. And in particular, how to be anointed again. Somebody say anointed again. Anointed again. <laughs> wow. What a mighty God we serve. In fact, he is omnipotent. Does anybody know what omnipotent is? Omnipotent. Let's break it down. Break it down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I look at Mike. Break it down. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That was so bad. Oh. Omnipotent. Omni. Everywhere. All. Omni. Omni. Potent. Potent is powerful. So you put the two together and you have omnipotent, omnipotent, which is all powerful. That's why I, with great confidence, anoint, lay my hands on, and pray a prayer of faith over the sick today. Because I know the omnipotent God that I'm praying to. I know the omnipotent, powerful God that I'm praying to today and that I'm believing for your answer today. And I know that it's not in me. I have no ability 
outside of the ability that God gives me. So I, with great confidence, I'll lay my hands on you any day. I'll dare to pray the prayer of faith over you any time. Because I know that God is still God and God's power has not changed one bit. And think about this. This all-powerful one, almighty God, wants to share his power with his people. Do you know that you can actually operate in the same power as God? Now, don't, don't misunderstand, don't twist my words. You are not God, I am not God. You will never be God, I will never be God. But God wants to give us part of his ability to do what we could not do on our own. It is called the anointing. Come on, say the anointing. The anointing. Does anybody know who Sam Kinison is? Or maybe I should say was. Sam Kinison, ring a bell to anybody? Well, for those of you who do not know, Sam Kinison was one, now this is just from his bio, not my opinion, I'm just telling you what the bio says. One of the great comedic persons of our day. He rose to stardom and fame, Sam Kinison. The thing about Sam Kinison was his harsh and brass and vulgar approach. Nothing was off limits. And in fact, the more controversial for Sam Kinison, well, the better it was. If he could really raise eyebrows, he found his niche. And so he honed in on a niche. And he would target, in particular, religion or Christianity even, which, come to find out, he knew a lot about. So he would just cross the lines and be as irreverent as he possibly could be. Sam Kinison, if you go on to read his bio, was raised by Pentecostal parents. In fact, not just Pentecostal parents. Sam's parents were ministers of the gospel. He was raised by a Pentecostal pastor in Illinois. Wow. He went to a boarding school, Christian boarding school in his teen years and learned so much about Christianity and uh, Pentecostalism in particular. Sam Kinison was called into the ministry and he actually accepted the call. And Sam Kinison for a number of years was a great Pentecostal preacher and on fire preacher. He was a fire and brimstone preacher. See, he liked to get up on a, on, a, on a text and on a sermon and preach it. I tell our pastors uh, from time to time, you know, we're not just motivational speakers here, guys. We're preachers of the gospel, and every now and then you need to climb up on that text and you need to preach it. We're not just doing a little motivational talk here. I'm not trying to give a little pep talk on a Sunday morning. Hello? I'm called to preach the gospel, the good news of Christ. 
Sam Kennison accepted that call and began to preach the gospel. Pentecostal preacher. But somewhere along the path, somewhere along the line, maybe doubt crept in, maybe frustration crept in. In fact, I know that's part of what happened. His Pentecostal pastor parents divorced. That's a blow. Many in this room have experienced the pain of divorce. It's hard. Yet a brother commit suicide, another blow. But don't we all have a nail back here somewhere in our life that if we allowed ourselves, we could hang all of our, all of our dirty laundry and all of our baggage and all of our issues on for the rest of our life, saying that's the reason? My mom died when I was 14 years old, as many of you know, and I could for the rest of my life say the reason I am the way I am today in a negative light is because my mom died. My, God let my mom die, and, and on and on I could go. But I, ladies and gentlemen, I refuse to let the, the passing of my mother, who is now in heaven, and I will be reunited with her on someday, I refuse to let that be the issue that I go back to for the rest of my life and distract me and distract me and pull me off the, the course that God has for me. Somewhere along the line, Sam Kinison decided to pull away from God and he got into the comedy scene, the comedy club scene. And because of his vulgarity and his bashing of Christendom, he rose to stardom because let's face it, our society can't get enough of that, can she? He was traveling to another gig Laughlin, Nevada, not very far from here. And a 17-year-old young man who had had too much to drink sideswiped Sam Kinnison and his wife. His wife survived. Sam did not. Sam Kinnison, who was once anointed by God to preach for God and to do the work of God, lost the anointing and died without the anointing. But thanks be to God that you don't have to die without the anointing. Even if it has waned, even if it has, has, has lessened, even if it has been removed, you can still have the anointing of God. Samson, our Sunday school character, we all know about Samson, strong Samson, long-haired Samson. Well, hopefully, I believe the Holy Spirit will show you perhaps a few things that maybe you haven't seen before. Let's look at the life of Samson here. Verse number 3 of chapter 13 lets us know Samson was promised by God. God sent an angel. An angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, the woman, by the way, is... Samson's mom, indeed, now you are barren and you have borne no children, but, somebody say but. Oh, I love that. You used to be barren, but now God's in it. But you shall conceive and bear a son. Samson was promised by God. Samson went on to be consecrated to God. Verse number 7 tells us this. Just open your Bible there on your lap. I want you to stroll through these few chapters, 13, 14, 
15 and 16, and let's just see if we can find some things that we have not seen before. Samson was also consecrated to God, verse number 7 of chapter 13, and he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite. Here's the consecration part. He shall be a Nazarite to God, consecrated to God, from the womb to the day of his death. A Nazarite was not to shave his head. I'm so thankful today that that is not in play today. A Nazarite was not to eat anything unclean. A Nazarite was not to touch anything unclean. He was promised by God. He was consecrated to God. He went on to be blessed by God. Verse 24 of chapter 13, so the woman bore a child just as was promised. She called his name Samson. The child grew, and look what it says right here, and the Lord blessed him. Blessed by God and ultimately anointed by God. Now, let me take a moment to talk to you about anointing and to anoint. To anoint is to rub or smear. That is what to anoint actually means. The definition of to anoint is to rub or to smear. I want you to imagine with me, maybe it, it might even be part of your daily routine, your daily ritual. After you get out of the shower and dry off, you get the lotion and you lotion up for the day. Get it on your hands. I got to lotion up this head or it'll get scalded. It'll get burnt and it'll peel. And so I got to put some lotion on this thing, right? So imagine with me getting the lotion out and you put that lotion in your hand and you, you rub it together like this and then you rub it on your elbows, you rub it on your arms, you rub it on your head, wherever. That, you are anointing yourself with lotion. Now I want you to see God getting out his lotion bottle. And I want you to see God putting the, the lotion on his hand, only the lotion isn't lotion. It's his ability, it's his power, it's his spirit, it's his might. And he's pouring that on his hands and he's rubbing his hands together. And then he's reaching down his hands and he's rubbing that and smearing that all over his sons and all over his daughters to do that which they could not do without the anointing. Hallelujah. God, anoint me today. God, anoint my words. God, anoint my hands. God, anoint my feet. Hallelujah. Do you see that? God reaching down his hands. Just the, the oil dripping almost, just dripping, ready to just apply that to you and rub it all over you. So when you speak, it's anointed. When you reach out and touch, it's anointed. When you take steps, they're anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by God. We see this several places. Chapter 13 and verse number 25 says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. That is the anointing. Verse number 6 of chapter 14, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He tore the lion apart. That was under the anointing. Verse number 19 of chapter 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men. Verse number 14 of chapter 15 says, When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned 
burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. Hallelujah. God promised Samson. God consecrated Samson. God blessed Samson. And God anointed Samson. So what happened? What happened to this anointed man? And this is what I want us to take the next few minutes and figure out. What happened to a man of God who was anointed by God, lost the anointing of God, and was anointed again? To understand this, I I feel it's only right to look at why would a person even be anointed? What are the reasons for the anointing? There are a few reasons that I found that I'd like to share with you this morning. First of all, the the first reason for the anointing is to defeat the enemies of God. Look at verse number 5 of chapter 13. And he began to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now let me just clue you in right here and educate you a bit. The Philistines were not their pals. The Philistines were not their buds. They didn't hang out with the Philistines. The Philistines were their mortal enemies. They hated one another. And God says, Sister Rosita, so nice to see you today. I was just asking my wife, I hope Sister Rosita is well and blessed. I haven't seen her for a while, so it's so nice to see you walk into the house of the Lord today. Amen. May God bless you and give you favor today. Mm. The Philistines were their enemies, folks. So God says, I'm going I'm to raise up a mighty man of God. And I will give him ability and I will, I will give him uh, power that he, that he would not normally have. I'll give him my ability, my power to defeat the enemy of my people. Do you know who else has an enemy? You do, do you? Anybody else have an enemy? Do you have an enemy? Sandy, you got an enemy? I didn't say enema, I said enemy here. Come on, stay with me. Listen now, the truth be told, all of us in this room have an enemy. You better know it today. His name is Satan. He is your mortal enemy. He's not your bud. He's not your pal. He's not to be toyed with. He's not to be played with. He's not to be listened to. In fact, if the enemy is talking to you at all, it's a lie, and you ought to tell him to shut his mouth and go back to hell where he belongs. I'm sorry. We take the enemy's temptations and, 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 and whatever he does and says, we take it so lightly. You have an, an enemy that is actually trying to destroy you. That's the only thing he comes to do. John 10, 10 tells us the enemy, the thief, Satan comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he has on his mind is your destruction, your demise, bringing you down, humiliating you, embarrassing you, killing you. Be aware of that. But see, God wants to say, see, see, I know you have an enemy. So God says, I'm going to help her out. I'm going to give her my ability. I'm going to rub and smear power 
so she could do what she could not do without it and defeat the enemy. Folks, when you're praying every day, you ought to pray that God would anoint you. When I'm praying for you, Pastor Moses and Pastor Dave and the rest of our staff, Gail, each one that's on staff, I pray that God would anoint you because you need the anointing of God to do what God has called you to do. And without it, you're not going to be successful. You may succeed to a degree. You may be successful to a point. But Pastor Moses, you will fail ultimately without the anointing of God on your life. And so I pray it for you. I pray it for myself. I pray it for my wife. I pray it for my children. And I want to tell you today, include that tomorrow morning when you wake up. Whatever else you pray, pray that God would anoint you. You see, the anointing is not reserved for pastors, prophets, preachers, evangelists, missionaries, apostles. The anointing is for any son or daughter of God. So do I have anybody in this room that qualifies? Any sons or daughters of the Most High in the room? You qualify to be anointed by God. You qualify for God to roll up his sleeves and put that power and that ability and that might and rub it all over you so you can do what you could not do without his help. Hallelujah. Somebody say, anoint me, God. Anoint me, God. Anoint my hands. Anoint my words. Anoint my actions. God, anoint me. Hallelujah. There's reasons for the anointing. The first is to defeat the enemies of God. The second is to do the work of God. I think God has a, a great sense of humor sometimes. Just look at the person sitting next to you. I think everybody smiled. Look at that. I mean, honestly, you're so fearfully and wonderfully made and so unique. The thing that makes me think God has a good sense of humor right here, Roe v, is his plan in reaching the world. He's, he's going to use us. I mean, God, do you know how many flaws there are here? How many mistakes I represent? Do you know, God? Well, of course he knows. Because not only is, it, is he omnipotent, he's omniscient. Don't get me into theology here this morning. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful, but he's all-knowing. But it is his plan to use frail, flawed humanity. But we can't do it on our own. Every time the anointing would come on Samson, he was defeating the enemy, but in defeating the enemy, he was doing the work of God. See, God is powerful enough to have it done any number of ways. We used to sing a song, Alex, my mother used to sing a song when I was a boy. He could have called 10,000 angels right, to destroy the world and, and set me free. But he didn't choose that plan, right? God could still do that. He has at his disposal and at his dispense multitudes of angels that he could just use to evangelize, use to, to heal, use to, but he's using you and me. He chose to anoint Samson. And every time the enemy was defeated, the work of God was displayed. So it is with us, folks. He wants to anoint us so that the work of God can be done. Does anybody remember what Acts 1-8 says? Just let me remind you here. 
says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all over the world. God wants to anoint you so his work can be done. There's one more reason for the anointing. It's for God to be glorified. The anointing, listen carefully, is not about you. Well, thank you, Richard. I wish somebody would shout me down right there. Come on, just gently look at your neighbor. Tell him it's not about you. It's all about you. It's all about him. And see, when you get the anointing flowing on, on uh, the anointing on you and flowing in you and flowing through you, whoo, you go and lay hands on somebody and they're instantaneously healed? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's heady stuff. The anointing coming on a person. And we can start thinking, look at me. Look what I did. I, I, may, I, I try to make it clear, I, I don't have any ability outside of what God gives me. And it's all for God to receive the glory. When the enemy is defeated, it is not for your glory, it's for your victory, but it's for his glory. When the world is evangelized, it's not for your glory. Sometimes we can even gloat in, in counting souls. I, you see what I'm saying? We're, we just have to really check ourselves. Because it's all for the glory of God. God wants to anoint you. Antonio, where you at, buddy? I'm telling you, God wants to anoint you, son. And I believe that happened today. So you've got to stay anointed. Stay anointed, but always remember, the anointing is for the glory of God. How about the removal of the anointing? I think we ought to look at that for a few minutes. It's very clear that the anointing can be removed. Look at this scripture, 16 and 20. And she said, anybody know who the she is now we're talking about? Yeah, it's Delilah. I was determined I wasn't going to make this a Samson and Delilah sermon because I don't really care about Delilah. I really don't. She messed up that man's life. Now, he had his own choices and he had his own issues, but she, she, really, she really messed up some things here. She called out. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. <laughs> Sorry. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, well, I'll just go out as I always have before at other times and I'll just shake myself free. The anointing of God will come upon me. I'll destroy the enemy again, but I want everybody's attention and I want you to see this last line of verse number 20 of Judges chapter 16. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Folks, in my opinion, this is one of the saddest scriptures in all the Word of God. He just thought, I'll just do what I always do. Because God's been with me all along. God's, been, God's seen some of my mischievousness and He never left me. Don't mistake God's grace and mercy for His approval in certain areas of your life. Y'all could write that down if you want. 
Don't, dis, don't mistake God's grace and mercy for his approval. See, there's, there's the, the matter of God using a person in spite of themselves. And I never want to get to a place where God's using me in spite of me because the need is so great. Sad scripture. He did not know that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. My Lord. There are reasons that I saw for the anointing to be removed. First of all, lust. You might do it like this if you're taking notes. Put lust slash selfishness. Now, I know we talked a little bit about selfishness last week in the prodigal son. One of the first things uh, that, that caused the, the unraveling of the relationship was his selfishness. His was focused more on greed and money and uh, material things. Samson's selfishness is more on lust and his sexual exploits, his sexual desires and fantasies being fulfilled. You see, in verse number 2 of chapter 14, it lets us know he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah, and she is of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, go get her for me. I want her to be my wife. The Philistines? Seriously? Really? They're mortal enemies. And mom and dad says, now, Samson, isn't there somebody here? One of our own? Now, I want her. See, he's the big man on campus. He's, he's strong Samson, right? He can have whatever he wants. Now, I want her. He was lusting for that which he should not be lusting for. And it was the start, I believe, of the removing of the anointing. See, it doesn't happen all at one time, does it? It's just little by little because God is so gracious, folks. God is so patient with us. He's long-suffering. He's not wanting any to perish. And he wants to keep his hand on us and the spirit on us and his anointing on us. But if we are so willful and strong-headed, stubborn, ultimately that anointing will be totally lifted. Another, another cause for removal, disobedience. Reason number two for the anointing to be removed, disobedience. Here, folks, is a surefire way to have the anointing lifted off of you. Just continue in disobedience. Now I'm just trying to help somebody who wants to get away from the Lord right now. You just continue in disobedience. And all at once, God's hand will lift right off of you, which will include all of his love, all of his power, all of his ability, all of his strength and might. It's just going to be lifted off of you. God's not going to force any of us to serve him. God's not going to force any of us to do what is right once we have found him. But he will, he promised he would help us. He promised he would help us. Part of that help comes from the anointing. He disobeyed he, by violating the Nazarite vow. Remember, the Nazarite vow was, don't cut your hair. Why did God say, don't cut your hair? I don't know. 
That's God's business. That's on my list of questions that I want to ask God once I get to heaven. But once I get to heaven, I know it won't matter, so I probably won't ask him. Right? But for now, it's on my list. You know, God, why, why don't cut your I don't know. Don't cut your hair. Don't eat anything unclean. Don't touch anything unclean. Don't drink any wine or anything like it. And look at us. We, we defile the temple of the Holy Spirit almost daily. Most believers, I'm not saying this is a blanket statement, because there's some wonderful sanctified saints in here, and you've got, you've got a, a grasp on how to live a holy life. Thanks be to God. Now, we're looking to you to help us who are still striving, right? But I'm saying the, the majority of Christians, I think I'm safe in saying, defile this temple by what we view, by what we listen to, uh, by who we hang out with, by what we actually physically eat and drink. Right? I, I'm not stepping deep in these waters right here, but uh, there's, there's nothing more controversial than when I start talking about alcohol. And I try to make it plain and clear my stance over the years. I'm an abstinence kind of guy. I'm talking about weddings and anniversaries. I'm talking about any time and every time. No alcohol is going to come through this gate right here. I'm not going to drink. My wife's not going to drink. We've settled that issue. And I know there's some that want to go tit for tat, and they want to they go round and round. They want to go into the scriptures and say, what about this and what about that? And if I get to heaven and God says, you know, you could have drunk all along, then so be that. But for now, I know that the drinking affects the anointing that is on me, and I don't need that, and I don't want that. So as for me and my house, we have made up our minds. We are abstinence kind of people. And I would encourage everyone in this room to really consider making that stance yourself. You'll always be safe in abstinence, but you might cross a line that you cannot turn back from on the other hand and on the flip side of that coin. There are plenty of people that thought, I'll just take a drink or two, and they take three or four, and they get into the car, and they kill somebody on the road. There's plenty of people who think, I can handle this, and they open up this gateway into their home not knowing that their child can't handle it, and they become an alcoholic in five years. Because a gateway was open, a doorway was open. And I said enough about that, let me move on. He disobeyed, listen to me, he disobeyed the Nazarite vial by touching a dead lion. Chapter 14 and verse number 9, quickly. He went in, he killed a lion. Let me, let me just quickly tell you what happened here. He killed a lion months before. And there's the lion dead, week after week and month after month until finally all the meat is off the bones. Uh, the, the animals have come and, and, and stripped it clean and then the insects come and they do their thing and bees decided they're gonna make a home here and they made a hive here and there was honey now. Months later he comes by and he's like, well look at that. And having the sweet tooth that he had and not being able to control himself in many ways he reached into the dead lion to get the honey out. But God said, touch no unclean thing. He disobeyed. He violated that vow. Not the only time he violated that vow. He went on and touched another dead animal in chapter 15 and verse number 15. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. A dead donkey. And here now is a sun-bleached meat... Uh, 
licked clean off of this, just a dry bone, but he picked it up. Now, we want to shout about it because he, you know, it says he took it and he killed a thousand men with it. We've written songs about it. We talk about it in Sunday school. We even celebrate this fact that God's anointing came upon this man and he took a donkey, donkey jawbone and he killed a thousand men. Remember that story? Sure. He was in violation of the Nazarite vow. And he was in complete disobedience to what God had told him to do. He went on to do it one more time in Judges 16 and verse number 1 when he touched a whore. He laid with a harlot. Look at this. Samson went to Gaza and he saw a harlot there and he went into her. See, what God says, folks, God means. And we cannot take it lightly. We cannot be flippant with God's spirit, with God's ability, with God's anointing. We want God's anointing, but yet we don't want to clean up our own lives. We don't want to purge ourselves. We continue to violate and defile this house of the Holy Spirit. And God continues to put his hand on us, doesn't he? And use us, just as he did with Samson, which leads me to the next reason why the anointing might be removed. Arrogance. Lust or selfishness, disobedience, and arrogance. He was cavalier and careless with God's spirit on his life, thinking God knew I was messing around over here with a Philistine woman. God knew I laid with a harlot over here, a prostitute over here. He kept on anointing me. The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. So he must think it's okay. But little did Samson know, God's hand was being lifted and God's ability was being removed. What a sad thing to have the anointing of God removed from your life. King Saul saw this. The scripture says in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit troubled him. I want it to be very clear today. God delights in helping us. And what measure of help his very ability applied to us it just doesn't get any more helpful than that anointing our words anointing our actions anointing our steps wow but if we continue in our willful way and our selfish desires are put ahead of God's desires Little by little, the anointing will be removed. But I want to leave you with good news today and hopeful news today. The anointing can be restored. There is the matter of the restoration of the anointing. We're in our season. Remember, we're in a, a season of restoration and turnaround and overflow. And I believe that, folks. We are seeing it 
On every hand, week after week, there's testimony coming in of, of God restoring and God turning around and overflow starting to happen. Hallelujah. But what about this matter of the anointing? How about the anointing being restored in your life? Why not? Why not you? Why not me? And why not now? Let me read this to you as Pastor Moses comes and I close this. Maybe follow along there in your Bible. It's so rich. It's so good. 16, verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines, they gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when the hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. Let me just interject right here. When they captured Samson, that once he finally gave in to Delilah's uh, pressure, and you'd think that after a couple of times of deceiving him and trying to trick him, you'd think he would have woke up and, and smelled the coffee, so to speak. But he, he gave right into her, her allurement. And he finally told her the truth about his strength. If you cut my hair, all my strength will leave. She cut his hair, but all his strength left. They came in and captured Samson. They gouged out his eyes so that he was blind. And they caused him to grind grain at a mill huge, huge stone wheel that he would, he would just push daily, grinding. The only relief he got from that was when it was time for him to entertain because Samson became the court jester. He was the, the clown. He was the one that they would all laugh at. The one who destroyed our people. Now look at him. <laughs> And so they called Samson in so that he could perform for them. Let's look here again, verse 25. So it happened when the hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. They stationed him between the two pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which now support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men, full of women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me 
Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once more, oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death was more than he killed his entire life. I want you to bow your heads today. Samson finally realized the error of his ways. It took a lot to get him there. It cost him his eyesight. Cost him his freedom. But thanks be to God, it did not cost him his life, not eternal life. He died with the Philistines that day, physically, yes. But I believe there was, well, a turnaround in his heart. There was a restoration in his heart, restored back to God. And as a result of that restored heart, there was a restored anointing. If you're here today and your heart is not in right connection with God, I want to pray for you right now. That is why God brought you here, I believe, so that he could clean your heart, washing you of wrong and ridding you of sin. Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But we have to take that first step. We have to acknowledge we have sinned and done wrong, and we have to confess those sins. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. My heart is not connected to God as it should be, and I want Jesus to help me your hand right now if that's you. Don't delay. Don't wait. Lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Thank you. Who else will be courageous today and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get my heart right. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Come on. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. We are not promised tomorrow. your hand and just let me pray for you today. Thank you. Now, if you've lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to take a very, very serious step, and that is to actually move from where you are and come and meet me at this altar, and we're going to lead you in a prayer of repentance and commitment to the Lord. If you've lifted your hand or need to, I want you to come right now. Come and join me right here. Today's the day, folks. Today is the day. We get our hearts right. Thank you. Come on, take that step, that courageous step. Thank you. Gail, would you help me, please? Sonny, would you help me, please? Pastor Tate, right over here. Come here. I want you to stand right here. Sonny, I want you to pray with her. Gail, I want you to pray right over here. Anybody else? 
Last week, church, last week in all three of our services, 815, 1030, and 630, we had people come and commit their lives to Christ. That's good church. That's just good church. And it's happening right here again. Hearts are being cleansed. Hearts are being connected to God. I feel I just need to delay one more minute before I pray for the anointing on, on people. Anybody else? Step out and meet me right here. Let me lead you in a, in a prayer of repentance. Ten more seconds. Come on. Move. Step, step out. You'll never be the same. Never be the same. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just one more area of prayer, folks. With this focus of the anointing, I want you to bow your heads now. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Steve, I feel the anointing has, in fact, either been lifted or perhaps shifted. Maybe, maybe the anointing has not totally been removed necessarily, but you feel that it's different than it was want to be anointed again with fresh oil and fresh ability. If that's you, I want you to stand and I'm going to pray for you before we leave. Either the anointing's been lifted or the anointing's been shifted and you want to be anointed again with fresh oil. I want you to stand. Anointed to defeat the enemy. Anointed to do God's work. Anointed to bring glory to God. Stand right now. Stand and let me pray for you for that fresh anointing. Anointing fall on me. Now if you're standing, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to just say thank you, first of all, for the anointing. You thank God for the anointing. Thank Him that His ability is still accessible to you. Come on. Thank God for his power and his ability that he is willing to share with you, that he is willing to apply to you. And now ask him yourself, God, anoint me. God, I need your anointing today. Anoint my words. Anoint my steps. Anoint my deeds, my actions. Father, I just thank you for every, every courageous person today, man or woman that has stood saying, I need God's anointing. It has been lifted or it has been shifted. God, I pray that you would open up heaven right now. And with your hands all lathered up, your hands all oiled up, I pray that you would reach down and touch every man, touch every woman who's standing saying, I need more. I want more. Hallelujah. Apply your power to them right now, God. Rub and smear your ability all over them, God. Anoint them, Lord, from heaven in Jesus' name. Now come on, everybody, stand up and get some new anointing today. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would anoint every one of us, Lord. Pour out of your spirit upon us, Lord. Touch our hands and our feet and our, our lips, God. Anoint us, Lord, that we would go where you would have us to go and say those things, God, that you would have us to say. We lift up our hands, God, and we cry out to you. We need your power. We need your ability. We
pray, pray this prayer. Anointing fall. God, anoint every person in this room. Anoint us, God. Anoint us, God. Hallelujah. Oh, let it fall. Let the power. And let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall. Let the power of the Holy Ghost say that again. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall. Let the power of, let the power of the Holy Ghost sing that one more time. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. A restored Restoration of the anointing. Brothers and sisters, today you have been anointed again. Remember, it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. Amen. Amen. Let me invite you back tonight. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us, a hero in the faith. One of our very own missionaries will be with us tonight from Argentina to give us an update. Mark and Pat Kenny are going to be with us, and you do not want to miss this. Let me invite you back. Until then, God bless you, and have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. We'll look for you tonight.